1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRank Sports and FanSided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It's Friday. CBS Sports draft analyst Chris Trapasso is on the show. We're going to talk to him about... Guys the Packers could be interested in, the guys that could impress at the Combine that the Packers could be interested in, and and some sleeper picks. And given how energized Packers Nation is around this draft, I'm going to try and bring you as much of the draft content as I possibly can. In that spirit, before we get to Chris, there was a really interesting list that Gil Brandt put out with NFL Media. Gil Brandt, former personnel man, longtime Hall of Fame, Dallas Cowboys. He is still at it. He he is, I think, in his 80s and still watching tape, still talking to teams, still still doing his thing. And what he did was he put together a list of the top 10 available defensive backs, whether it was in free agency or as a draft prospect. And what is, I think, particularly interesting here is The Packers, as I've said many times, they need to get better in the secondary, particularly at corner. And with the hole that Morgan Burnett could potentially leave, they could also need a safety. So here's his list. Number one, Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama, draft prospect. Number two, Malcolm Butler. Number three, Derwin James. Number four, Kyle Fuller, Chicago Bears corner. Number five, Patrick Robinson, Eagles corner. Number six, Denzel Ward. Number seven, Tremaine Johnson, Rams corner. Sorry, Denzel Ward, Ohio State cornerback. He's in this draft. Then EJ Gaines, Bills corner, LaMarcus Joyner, Rams. He's a, he's a safety corner or chess piece. And then number 10, Josh Jackson. Now, how he ranked those. Long term, I don't know. Maybe he's just thinking value this off season. I don't. I don't know that I totally agree with all of the rankings. But but one thing sticks out to me: of the players that are potentially available to the Green Bay Packers this off season, in all likelihood, Minka Fitzpatrick will not be available to the Packers. He's not falling to fourteen. Derwin James could, and Malcolm Butler is an option in free agency. And these are, you may recall. The two guys that I have advocated the most loudly, the most ferociously for in the offseason. And I've gotten some pushback on the Butler thing, but look, he's the best corner on the market. He's still relatively young. He has championship pedigree and he can come in and be a starting corner for you right away. And Derwin James, again, I've made the case for him. What's interesting about this list is there's two veterans in between Derwin James and Denzel Ward. I don't I don't know that that's fair. I mean, Patrick Robinson's coming off his best year as a pro, but it's his only even halfway decent year, and Kyle Fuller had a good first month as a rookie, then was bad, and now is ha- coming off his best season as a pro. Denzel Ward to me is a future starting corner. Potentially a number one corner. Very similar in size to Casey Hayward, but but more athletic. And I don't think that we should take this to, to suggest that Josh Jackson, because he's 10, is an inferior option to someone like EJ Gaines long term, although it could be. This is factoring in risk and, and all of those things. It's an interesting discussion to have because... You have to you have to weigh these things if you're the Packers or if you're any team in free agency. Who can I get in free agency relative to who I can draft? And so Minka Fitzpatrick's gone. That means the best corner, the best defensive back available on the market this offseason, Malcolm Butler, according to Gilbrett. I would tend to agree. Because of the position, because of the the nature of that position, the scarcity at that position. And the necessity of that position. And then number three, Derwin James. If you wanted to make the case he was the best defensive prospect in the draft, I would listen. If you wanted to make the case he should be ahead of Minka Fitzpatrick, I would listen. They're really close to me. I think Fitzpatrick's play in the slot as a corner and his ability to slide outside as a corner, if you need him to, gives him the slight edge. But James is a better tackler. He's bigger, potentially more versatile, so... That's an interesting discussion, and if the Packers can get Derwin James at 14, that's a steal. If they can get the two best defensive backs available on the market this offseason, available to them, that would be huge for this defense. Before we get to Chris, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, And you'll be entered to win access to a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. They have just revamped this whole system. They've added statistics. So there's going to be even more information in this subscription that you could win. It is so easy. Just put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of the podcast on iTunes. That's all you have to do. It's that easy. All right, let's get to Chris. He's an NFL draft writer at CBS Sports. You can find him On Twitter, at Chris Trapasso, you might sense a hint of a Midwest accent. It's actually his upstate New York accent. This is something we talked about uh, before he came on. I I just thought it was funny. I went to school in upstate New York, and coming from the Midwest, I thought uh, I didn't realize that people from central New York sound like they're from the Midwest. The accents are very similar. So, again, you can find him on Twitter, at Chris Trapasso, NFL Draft, at CBS Sports Chris, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Thanks for having me on, Pete. So the, the combine is quickly approaching. The offseason has flown by. I, it's hard to remember a, an offseason in recent memory that has been as crazy as this one has already been. But we've got a lot more to go with the draft and the combine and all the all the buildup there. Um, this is the first draft in a long time that I think Packers fans are really excited about because they have a top 15 pick. They haven't had one of those since 2009. And there's a lot of really good players that need positions for them in the middle of the first. Your your draft rankings are um, are up. People can find them um, at cbsports.com. But uh, when you look at the board and how it could shake out, and, and what you think the, the Packers need positions are, what do you see as as the the smart pick at 14?
0: Well, at this point, um, and in my most Recent mock draft, and I certainly do a lot of mock drafts. I do one every week. Um, I have them picking Cortland Sutton out of SMU. Um, One of the biggest storylines for the Packers this offseason is that wide receiver spot. Randall Cobb's contract situation. Jordy Nelson um, are one of the two going to be cut or traded? Or both probably not both. Um, but and it's interesting because I think Sutton would be the logical replacement for Jordy Nelson as that bigger, uh, you know, back shoulder, high pointing um, target on the outside. But then you go back to well, how good do the Packers wide receivers need to be if they have a healthy Aaron Rodgers that we've seen? You know, just his level of play elevate a lot of guys in the past that have gone elsewhere and not even been guys that have been on rosters. So, um, I I think Sutton would be a smart pick at fourteen. The guard spot is an, another position. I think would be smart for the Packers to address. It wouldn't be the sexiest top 15 overall pick, um, but someone like Will Hernandez, Isaiah Wynn, if Quentin Nelson were, were there, I think that would be the home run selection. I don't know if he's going to be there at number 14. Um, so those two positions on the offensive side of the ball, potentially the edge rusher spot is something they could look at, but they, they did have a pretty good defensive front last season. So I would kind of lean
1: toward either guard or wide receiver at this point for the Packers in the first round. So one of the things that I talked about earlier this week was the idea of trading up and a lot of Packer fans have suggested, you know, move up and get one of these impact players at the top of the draft. My contention has been that given the way that this draft could shake out, there's certainly the possibility that they could get one of the best three or four defenders in this draft at 14 if that's where they where they choose to go. Is there a player that you see if you're a team like Green Bay sitting there at 14? To go up into the top eight, the top five to get that is worth giving up picks to go get. That isn't a quarterback, obviously, because Green Bay doesn't need one of those.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, And I think the term trade up kind of scares fans because there's kind of a negative connotation around it. The teams that have done it in the past, usually for a quarterback, not all of them have failed. And and obviously recently Jared Goff and, and Carson Wentz have seemed to turn out relatively well um, for their respective teams. And they certainly spent a lot to get those two quarterbacks. But when you're a team like the Packers that has an elite quarterback and, and one who's somewhat nearing the end of his career, I'm all for trading up. Get that extra piece that will Push you to a division title to then get home field in the playoffs and then potentially get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. Um, and the Packers certainly have a, a wide open Super Bowl window with Aaron Rodgers coming back next year. Um, I would say Bradley Chubb, um, Derwin James, who's kind of that Swiss Army knife, I think he can go from playing free safety to playing slot corner to playing nickel or dime linebacker. Um, he would be a, a really fun player in that defense. But again, I, I don't see the Packers defense, especially in their front seven, being that big um, of a need or, or, or any of those positions um, needing a huge upgrade at this point. Maybe on the edge, if Bradley Chubb somehow slipped um, and a team wanted to move back, I think that would make a lot of sense because he would be just – whichever team he goes to, he's going to be an instant impact guy who can get you 10 to 12 sacks and be a great run defender right away. Um, so those two on the defensive side, to me, are the kind of worthy of a trade-up um,
1: type defensive players that the Packers could target. The the scenario that I threw out there was, I to me, there is a, a precipitous drop-off after the top Fifty or so picks in terms of the top talents. And so what I suggested was use one and two and then package both threes because they'll probably get a compensatory third and a fourth to move up back into the second round and end up with three of these high impact players. Not, not that dissimilar from what you're saying. Do you, do you accept my original premise that there is this talent drop off? Yes, I agree. I mean, if you look at my, uh, big board right now, um, after
0: like pick 40 to me, I think that there is a pretty big, uh, pretty big drop off on both sides of the ball um, in terms of just maybe after that, you're getting a solid contributor who's going to play 40 or 50% of the snaps, but take a few years to kind of get into his role. And that in the top 40, there are at almost all positions. um, There are a lot of elite level players. So you're right in the after the first 10 to 15 picks in the second round, um, I, I think in general, um, that's where teams are going to want to have the most picks because that's where you're getting your instant impact guys. And you don't have to, you know, have two or three first round picks. You can have, you know, somewhere from pick 32 to pick 50 and still
1: get a very good player who can come in right away and be productive. So I think the names that are on on Packer fans' mind at at this point, uh, you know, Derwin James, Josh Jackson, Marcus Davenport, Harold Landry, those are the the names that you hear most on on Packers' Twitter. With the combine coming up, is there a player or two who could go in, light up the combine, someone we're not talking about as a top 15 player right now, but could get into that mix and could be on the Packers' radar when they pick at fourteen.
0: Well, if you're looking at the edge rusher spot, um, I think Jeff Holland might be a little bit on the outside, might not actually jump into the top 15 consideration, but if the Packers did move back a little bit or did some maneuvering to get extra picks in that top 50 window, um, Jeff Holland out of Auburn is a really fun player to watch on film. Um, He just plays with a high motor. Every snap can bend the edge very well um, flashes some pass rushing moves, Um, and and certainly looks the part of that 3-4 outside linebacker. So if he tests well, has a good three cone, um, and has a pretty fast 10-yard split, which is very important um, for those edge rushers, he's someone that I think the Packers could consider. Um, And then at the linebacker spot, um, Leighton Vander Esch from from Boise State – Mm-hmm. He's not Tremaine Edmonds necessarily, but a similar you know, freak athlete and huge 6'4", 255, can range from sideline to sideline, um, can actually rush the passer a little bit too. So he's someone with a strong combine, I think, could move into that top 25, top 20 range um, in the first round of this draft.
1: One name that I, that I want to get your thoughts on before I let you go mm-hmm. is uh, Marcus Davenport. Um, that's a, he's someone that I think, uh, has been polarizing as we've gone through this process. I think the, the testing will be telling for him. My position on this is if he just tests okay with the agility, the three cone, the short shuttle, I think he will run a good time. I think he will excel in the jumps. And I think that he is, is, will very much be in the mix. Now, where are you on him? And do you think he will, he will do well at the combine?
0: Um, I have him as my number 26 overall player right now. He's kind of fluctuated between 22 and 30 when I've just rewatched his film. Um, He's a really fun player on tape, and and I do agree with what you're saying. Just based on his body type, 6'5", 6'6", 250, it's hard to be that tall. And to run a really good three cone time, um, but you're right, his explosion that is very evident on film. I think that's going to translate very well at the forty, the broad jump, the vertical jump. And you're right, I don't think he needs to, you know, set combine records or anything like that. But if he is is at what he was at the senior bowl, six five and a half, 250 pounds, um, somewhere in that range, and just test what everyone expects. I think the Packers would be – I would be fine with the Packers picking him at number 14 overall. Would some people see that as a little bit of a reach with him coming from University of Texas San Antonio? Maybe. But I think, again, with the Packers, you have to look at a team that has a wide open Super Bowl window and might be one or two players away that will take them from not making the playoffs to winning a Super Bowl. And Davenport, not only with his athleticism but with his pass rushing moves, his motor um, – And that you don't have to take him off the field in obvious running situations. He sets a very strong edge. Um, He would be that instant impact type of player who maybe wouldn't even have to play 80% of the snaps in Green Bay as a rookie, but would almost be similar to what we saw in Philadelphia with uh, Derek Barnett, went in the first round, Mm -hmm. wasn't their primary pass rusher. He was very young. Um, He was, I think, less polished than uh, Davenport is in terms of using his hands, but he was a very... Important piece, rotational piece um, of that Eagles defense. And I think that would be a similar type situation in Green Bay for Davenport. And he's actually uh, someone who's more ready to be a productive pass rusher than uh, Derek Barnett was last year.
1: We see this all the time, right? Players who in a vacuum may not be, you know, super elite players or whatever it is. And then they go to the right situation. I think, you know, there was Kevin King last year. I didn't love his tape. But then when I found out he was going to go to the Packers, I just thought he's the perfect kind of player for what Green Bay should be doing, and that makes him make more sense there this is this is w- why doing what you do is tough because you don't you're not ranking players with a team in mind
0: yeah, no that's a really good point point. Um, and I'm gonna certainly start to say that in interviews and put it in my writing that that, that these big yeah that that my big board um, is just a, a general big board and and really um, i I'm a firm believer in what you just said that Kevin King could have gone to a totally different team um, and not turned out as many flash or as many splash plays as he did in Green Bay. And, or he could have, you know, ended with a team that would have even been a better situation for him. Derek Barnett was the same way that I didn't love him um, to be a top 20 pick, um, but he landed in such a good situation and Davenport wouldn't ask to be that number one, get us 18 sacks as a rookie edge rusher in Green Bay. So it's very important that, that these players, you're evaluating them based on their college film and what they do at the Senior Bowl and the Combine, but situation is vital. Not even coaching, just the the, the scheme and who else is on the roster, how much is asked of them early in their careers. Um, are they asked to, to do what they're good at or are they asked to kind of get better in certain areas? Um, and being just that stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker
1: in Green Bay I think would be perfect for Marcus Davenport. I asked Dan Kadar this uh, last week, and so I'll ask you this, and this will be the last thing. Just give me one or two names that, that maybe people aren't talking about. Uh, we we talked it a little bit about earlier, but just one or two names maybe out, outside of that first-round range, someone that that is maybe a day three player or a day two player who could be impressive at the combine, maybe even just irrespective of the Packers' needs, just someone that you think is going to come in and really surprise and blow up the combine. I think Kalen Bellage from Arizona State, uh,
0: he's a running back, so the Packers certainly don't need him after drafting three running backs last year. Um, but he's someone 6'2", 222, um, just looks so athletic on film. His cutting ability um, makes it look like he's much smaller, much shorter, and more compact. Um, I'm not going to say that he's the next David Johnson, but similar – in terms of his size and his athleticism, that, that you don't usually see a lot of 6'2", 220-plus running backs that aren't stiff. Most of them are, and they're linear players. Kalen Bellage from Arizona State, the running back. Um, I'm trying to think of someone else. Breland Speaks, um, not a name that we're hearing a lot about now. He entered the draft early, out of Old Miss. Um, he's actually someone, if the Packers don't get – their edge rusher in the first round or, or even in the second, I think Breland speaks um, from Ole Miss is someone that they could certainly consider End of the second. If they have, you know, if they move back into the second or third or fourth round, um, was very productive um, in the SEC. Six three two sixty two seventy. So he certainly has the size, and he's just a relentless player. Is not going to necessarily bend the edge like Von Miller, um, but has enough bend and uses his hands well enough that he can be a you know seven to ten sack player and be very good against the run because of that size and the strength. Um, and if you pick him in the third or fourth round, you'll probably be happy with the production that he gives you in kind of that role player situation uh, right away
1: in the NFL. Chris, I appreciate you joining us. Can you uh, tell my listeners where they can find the work that you do on Twitter, online, etc.? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Trapasso
0: and all my NFL draft writing at cbsports.com. Chris, thanks
1: for joining Lockdown Packers. Thank you. All right, I want to thank Chris for joining the program. Again, there's going to be a lot more draft content. We're going to have a lot more of these discussions. I thought it was interesting, the, the discussion about Marcus Davenport. Again, he has him in the in the late 20s on his board, but felt like at 14, he would make sense for Green Bay because he wouldn't have to come in right away and be your number one edge guy. That's another reason why I just love him. This is, this is to me, the guy you should be watching in Indianapolis at the Combine. NFL Network does the coverage. Watch. Pay attention to how he tests. I think you need to pay attention to how Derwin James tests. Pay attention how Denzel Ward measures. I don't know if he's going to fit the criteria for Green Bay Corners, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Casey Hayward was a, was a mold breaker for Green Bay in that same regard. And so could they do the same for Denzel Ward? Maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll discuss that a lot more as we get closer to that date. We'll have three shows next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Keep an eye out on all of the stuff that we're doing at FanRag, at Fansided, and at Acme Packing Company. And always stay locked on Packers.